Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we are going to get a little bit more detailed about metabolic health. We'll touch on metabolic flexibility. We'll discuss mitochondria and mitochondrial health and density. And then we'll talk a bit about insulin sensitivity. All of these things you may have heard about, and they're all linked. And hopefully it can help you understand how exercise affects all of these things. I am a big proponent of understanding our bodies as much as we possibly can. I think that this helps us make decisions that are good for our overall health, help us understand why we're doing certain things, and also help you understand that more is not necessarily better. So let's dive in. Metabolic flexibility is what we'll kind of focus on today. And metabolic flexibility may be something you've heard of. I feel like I hear it kind of thrown around in podcasts all the time, but I haven't come across a podcast that really describes what this means and how we can improve our metabolic flexibility. So being more metabolically flexible will put you on what I like to call the upward spiral. So you're metabolically healthy, which I'll talk about today. Your energy levels go through the roof. You feel like you are focused and mentally sharp. Things like appetite tend to be more stable and regulated. And because all of these things are happening, it gets easier for you to stick to an exercise routine because you have the energy to do so. It makes it easier for you to stick to a nutrition plan because your appetite is more regulated and cravings may be more stable. So because you are consistent with your exercise routine and your nutrition plan, you build muscle, you improve endurance, you improve metabolic flexibility and can improve body composition. And this improvement in your overall body helps to further improve insulin sensitivity and metabolic flexibility, which further improves appetite regulation and energy levels. And the upward spiral continues. So this is how you can create a lifestyle that is healthy and sustainable and doesn't feel like a grind. And it doesn't have to be aggressive. Like I always talk about gentle consistency with your routine is what's going to help put you on this upward spiral. Because if you're dreading your workouts, odds are at some point, you're probably going to give up. So gentle consistency is the way to put yourself on this upward spiral. The cool part is that when you're on an upward spiral, you can easily kind of take a break from your exercise and diet routine and go on vacation, or maybe you are sick or whatever it is. And you bounce back so much easier because your body is healthier down to the cellular level. So my goal for all of you is to help move away from perfectionism about exercise and move away from the more is better and start to understand how different processes in your body operate so that you can apply gentle consistency towards creating a healthier body truly from the inside out. So what is metabolic flexibility? To put it simply, metabolic flexibility is how efficient you can switch between fuel sources. So switch between using fatty acids, so using your fat as fuel, or switch between using blood sugar or glucose. And there's other types of fuel sources, but those are a couple of the main ones. And this is important because when you're metabolically flexible, when you can easily swap from burning sugar or burning fat, all the processes in your body function better. They have more available and usable fuel so that your cells can do their thing with more ease. This is why being metabolically flexible can make you feel better. It can make you function better. It can improve your metabolism. You can see better results from training because your body can easily access the fuel that it has both from your fat stores and from food. 
So you know you're metabolically flexible if you have some of some of these things going on. Number one, your energy is stable and you don't feel like a crash midday. And this is something that when I was going through my over-exercising um, and under-eating phase of my life years ago, I would get a, cr- a horrible crash midday. Like I would have to schedule in a break to, to nap midday, every single day during the workday. Like it was ridiculous. Like I would close my door to my room and fall asleep. <laughs> so it was like, I could not operate the rest of the day because I felt this crash. And that was probably related to my metabolic flexibility. So when you're metabolically flexible, you have more stable energy levels. Your appetite is also regulated. You don't feel like you get as hangry or you don't get like crazy sugar cravings. You'll also have better memory and focus because your brain can better utilize um, different sources of energy to operate. So all of these things are indications that you're metabolically flexible. So energy levels, your appetite's regulated, you have good mood, um, good focus, sharp memory, all those things. You may be metabolically inflexible if you have any of the opposite symptoms. And some of these are related to insulin resistance, which I'm going to talk about today. And again, insulin resistance is correlated with metabolic flexibility. So low energy, weight gain or trouble with weight loss, cravings or hanger, like you get hangry all the time, or if you are feeling like um, brain fog or like loss of memory or just general fatigue. These are all things that can be associated with being metabolically inflexible. And if you're struggling with any of these things, I want to teach you about this and how to use exercise to improve your metabolic flexibility. I'll teach you how to exercise specifically and how exercise can improve metabolic flexibility. But I also want to reiterate that exercise is only one piece of this equation to improve metabolic flexibility. You really have to have a holistic approach. So you have to also improve nutrition, stress management, even things like getting light in the morning will help and be major players in improving your metabolic flexibility. So if you are experiencing any of these symptoms like low energy, um, crazy, crazy cravings, hanger, trouble with weight gain or weight loss, I don't recommend just relying on exercise to be your magic ticket. If you're having symptoms that you're struggling with, I highly recommend investing in a registered dietitian. A lot of times insurance will pay for registered dietitian visits and these dietitians can help kind of dial in certain nutrition components, which are necessary for fitness anyways. So they can run tests and they can give you specific advice based on an in-depth analysis of your body and your lifestyle. So I know that this is a fitness podcast and we just can't talk about fitness with, without also reiterating the importance of nutrition. That's something I really try to do while simultaneously staying in my lane with the understanding that I am not formally trained in nutrition, but I'm a big believer that like, okay, if you're going to invest in one thing and you're having these crazy symptoms, go invest in a registered dietitian, because I think dialing your nutrition first is going to make all the other lifestyle pieces a lot easier. So Let's talk about metabolic flexibility and how to train to be more metabolically flexible. I don't think that we can cover this topic without discussing mitochondria and how exercise influences mitochondrial health. And again, I think this is kind of like a buzzword in pop, in pop, um, fitness and wellness right now, but I think it's an interesting concept to talk about that. We actually haven't touched on that really in this podcast before. So let's get into it. Mitochondria are organelles within certain cells in your body, like muscle cells that are responsible for producing energy. 
Without this energy, the cell can't do its function. So the mitochondria are kind of like your engine that are producing energy for your cells to do their thing. The number of mitochondria in your cells, otherwise known as mitochondrial density. So the amount of mitochondrial in one cell, how dense that cell is of mitochondria can be increased or decreased. This is called mitochondrial biogenesis. So you can increase the amount of mitochondria that you have in your cells. On the flip side, if you're stationary and if you're not giving your cells certain stimulus, you can, the, the mitochondria, your mitochondrial density will decrease. And that's not what we want. You can also increase the size of each mitochondria as well as that specific mitochondrial's efficiency. So overall, this is improving your mitochondrial health. So you can increase the size of each mitochondria. You can increase how many there are, and you can increase how efficient they are. The more and larger and more efficient our mitochondria, the healthier our metabolic health. Metabolic health refers to how well systems like metabolism, hormone regulation, energy production, cell cleanup, inflammation processes, how well all of those processes operate is your overall metabolic health. So when we're more metabolically healthy, we reduce our risk of aging and even signs of physical signs of aging too. We have higher energy levels. We reduce our risk of chronic disease. We have a higher, um, a faster metabolism. All of these things can kind of be tied back to several things, but an important part is having better mitochondrial health because your mitochondria are producing energy in the cell. When you have greater mitochondrial health, you're more metabolically flexible. Your body can swap between these fuel sources a lot easier, and this improves our overall metabolism. So when it comes to what type of fuel sources you're using to operate, there are several, but a couple of the main ones are glucose, so blood sugar, and then fatty acids or your fat source. There are some generalizations with when your body uses certain fuel sources for certain tasks, and the more metabolically flexible you are, the easier you can switch from using glucose to fatty acids, to ketone bodies, to whatever your cells are requiring in that moment. Cells will use a combination depending on the type of activity that you're doing and depending on the cell. For example, brain cells use ketones and glucose for energy. The liver uses fatty acids. Muscle cells use fatty acids, glucose, and amino acids. So depending on the intensity of movement, muscle cells will use different types of fuel sources to power and move your body. So the ease of which your body can swap between these fuel sources based on intensity of activity and the type of cell requiring the energy is metabolic flexibility. When you are exercising, different intensities will generally require different fuel sources. And to my knowledge, this is not super black and white, but in general, um, some lower intensities tend to bias using fatty acids for the most part. So like endurance activities where you're going for a prolonged period of time, like a walk or easy cardio, or some, sometimes even some like Evlo strength training that tends to be fatty acid utilization over using glucose. So you're burning fat as fuel during lower intensity exercise at higher intensity, you switch from using fat as fuel to mainly using sugar or glucose. People hear low intensity burns fat. So that's what I need to be doing to lose weight. I just need to be doing more low intensity exercise so that I can burn more fat. 
But just because low intensity exercise uses fat as a fuel source still doesn't mean it's a significant driver for overall fat loss. So I think this is important to reiterate before we get into metabolic flexibility a little bit more. So let's use an example. One pound of fat takes a calorie deficit of about 3,200 calories to burn. So 3,200 calories. If a 150 pound person wanted to exercise to burn one pound of fat, they would have to burn 3,200 calories. On average, this would take about 10 hours of zone two cardio or like easy jogging or uh, brisk walking or about seven hours of hit. So that's a lot of work for just one pound of muscle first off. And second off, this likely isn't even accurate because this is assuming that calorie expenditure is additive, which we've recently discovered that calorie expenditure is not additive. It's constrained. And this is something that I've talked about in many other podcasts, but basically this means just because you're technically burning 3,200 calories from 10 hours of cardio doesn't necessarily mean that you're increasing your deficit by 3,200 calories. And I know this is really confusing. So stick with me. This is because your body tends to compensate for increased calorie burn from exercise by borrowing from other processes to keep your energy expenditure relatively stable. So let's say you do 10 hours of cardio to try to burn that 3,200 calories to lose one pound of fat. However, when you have increased your exercise calories, your body may have unknowingly decreased the amount of um meat you're doing. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So you may unintentionally fidget less, move less throughout the day. Um, you may have down-regulated certain processes related to mental health that take up a lot of energy. So in other words, just because you are burning 3,200 calories from 10 hours of cardio doesn't necessarily mean that you're putting yourself in into that amount of a deficit. So in other words, that 10 hours of zone two cardio isn't accounting for the fact that your body is adapting and constraining your calorie deficit. So bottom line, yes, you can use fat as a fuel source with low intensity cardio, but fat loss has to come from nutritional changes for the most part. Separating exercise and fat loss will be a much more effective and sustainable and frankly, less frustrating process for you. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do cardio. Cardio can improve metabolic flexibility, which then this is where it can get confusing. So hang with me which may indirectly affect how easily your body can use fat as fuel. But the mechanism behind how cardio may contribute to body composition is likely not as simple as, well, cardio burns fat, so I need to do more cardio to burn fat. It's likely more the metabolic adaptations that happen that make your body more metabolically flexible and allow you to swap between fuel sources with more ease. So when you focus on how exercise affects your metabolism and your metabolic flexibility, you'll focus your efforts on the right things that are driving metabolic flexibility instead of just hammering your body into the ground with more and more and more cardio, just because it quote unquote burns calories. So again, the side effect by adding cardio may be, yes, you have a leaner body, but you'll have a leaner body when you're focused on exercising for metabolic flexibility and eating properly, right? Because you cannot outrun your fork. I always say that nutrition is the biggest piece for fat loss. So exercise is really pretty indirectly linked to leanness. And I won't lie, this was really inspiring me with this podcast, because 
I was like, oh wow, doing low intensity cardio can actually help my machinery on a cellular level. Yes, it's using fat as fuel, but less so it's just making me a better functioning machine, which was just like, so, I don't know. I feel like I am, I'm more inspired to do like low intensity cardio with that rather than like, Oh, this is just like burning off what I ate. And I hope you feel that way too. I I never want to discourage people from doing cardio. That's not what I mean. I just think that it's important to have an understanding of how it's actually affecting your body. Okay. So I want to switch gears and talk about muscle mass and how muscle mass affects insulin sensitivity, affects metabolic flexibility, affects your mitochondrial health. So here's how this works. When you eat carbs in your food are broken down into glucose, which travels throughout your bloodstream. And remember that your cells may be using glucose to power their processes for cells to use that glucose to take in the glucose and use it as energy, your pancreas secretes insulin and insulin acts as like a gatekeeper to kind of let the glucose into the cell so that your cell can use it. Any excess glucose that your cells don't need for energy is stored as fat. So when you eat more than you need for your cells to use as energy, all of the excess gets stored as fat. When there's a lot of blood glucose, when maybe you're overeating or you're not emptying glycogen stores from muscle, which I'll talk about here in a moment, insulin continues to stay elevated because blood glucose is high. So your pancreas is secreting more and more insulin to try to push that glucose into the cells. And because there is so much insulin around all the time, your cells start to get resistant to that insulin, which can impact body composition and increase the risk of disease because there's more insulin there's more circulating glucose, glucose, more of that glucose gets stored as body fat. Essentially your metabolic health and metabolic flexibility suffers as your body struggles to use fuel efficiently because the glucose isn't getting into the cells as efficiently. Your body's struggling to swap between using fat and using blood glucose because there's always a lot of blood glucose around. And all of this affects your metabolic flexibility and your body's ability to efficiently swap between different fuel sources. But what's really cool is that muscle is a big piece of this equation in improving insulin sensitivity, glucose regulation, and therefore metabolic flexibility because muscle is a huge storage site for glucose, meaning that there are more places for that glucose to go. So you eat and that glucose has a lot more options of where it can be stored because you have larger muscles, you have more muscle. So less of that glucose is then being stored as body fat. So this means there's less circulating glucose because there are more places for that glucose to go, meaning insulin production isn't chronically as high, which improves insulin sensitivity, which improves metabolic flexibility. So now your body can use both fat and glucose really effectively because there's less circulating glucose in your bloodstream because there's more places for it to go. So this is how having more muscle mass can improve insulin sensitivity and metabolic flexibility. But this requires a couple things. Number one, this requires that you have a routine where you're building more muscle and having a muscle building routine takes a lot of structure. It takes that you're eating and fueling properly. You're eating enough protein and that you're not just doing random workouts. And this is something that we do really well. I think in the Evlo membership is that we're very structured so that you're targeting each muscle group twice ish a week on non-consecutive days so that you have time in between to recover. 
So muscle building routine is the first requirement. The second requirement is that you are emptying your glucose stores in your muscles by taking your lifts close to failure. So number one, you probably won't see muscle growth if you're not taking your lifts close to failure. I think we see in fitness culture, like lifting five pound weights and doing like 40 reps and you're like, Ooh, that kind of burned, but you're not getting close enough to failure. Therefore, not only are you not building muscle, but you're not emptying the glucose stores within your muscle so that new glucose can be refilled into those storage sites. So we want to take each lift close to failure. That means your velocity decreases. So you are not able to lift at the same speed that you could in your first couple of reps, even though you're trying your hardest getting close to failure means your heart rate spikes a little bit. You may get a little red in the face. You may make some noises or make some faces. So getting close to failure is very important. Not only does it provide the stimulus for muscle growth, but you're also emptying your glucose stores within the muscle again, so that Next time you eat, your glucose has more storage sites instead of being stored as fat. Another thing that training close to failure does is that it stimulates mitochondrial biogenesis, which I kind of touched on earlier. So increasing the amount of mitochondria that you have within each cell. When you get a stimulus that is challenging past what you're used to, right? So it's not just kind of burning muscles. It's you are getting to the point where you're very close to not being able to complete another rep. This causes an energy shortage in the muscle cell itself and increases the stimulus to build more mitochondria. More mitochondria improves metabolic flexibility. Improved metabolic flexibility will boost your energy. It will improve your metabolism. It will decelerate aging and will decrease the risk of disease. So Muscle is such a good way to improve your metabolic flexibility, to improve your insulin sensitivity, which contributes to the upward spiral that I touched on earlier, right? Where your appetite is regulated, your energy is high. This further encourages the lifestyle behaviors that will contribute to better metabolic flexibility, right? You're able to adhere to a healthy eating pattern. You're able to stay active and the more muscle you build, the more active you are, the more insulin sensitive you get, the more metabolically flexible you get. And it just goes on and on in this upward spiral. So this is why I'm such a fan of gentle consistency, working slowly towards building muscle without breaking down your body and without overstressing your system. I truly think that although this isn't like the sexiest, fastest way to progress, I think using gentle consistency to slowly but surely build muscle will really start to put you on this upward spiral. And it gets easier and easier and more fun. And I don't want to say addicting, but like it gets more fun, the kind of like deeper you get into this upward spiral. I was actually just thinking last night, I was thinking about my training and I'm always thinking about you all and like how I can try things out for myself and how I can think about things and and what I can learn to share with you all. And I was just thinking last night, like, man, I don't really work that hard in my fitness routine. Like, I don't feel like it's a grind at all. And that's kind of the opposite of what you'll hear in most fitness culture. A lot of fitness culture is like, you got to grind, you got to work hard. It can't be easy. And by no means do I feel like my workouts are easy, but they just don't feel like a grind. I feel like it's, pretty easy to stay consistent with because again, I know that I'm not going to go like destroy myself in really any of my workouts. But the cool thing is, is that I've slowly built more muscle than I've ever had. And I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And 
I think that it's because I've approached this from gentle consistency. So I think so many people get go too intense, too hard, and they end up burning themselves out either in the short term or they, you know, accumulate all these overuse injuries and hormonal imbalances. And it's because they're trying to optimize for intensity rather than just optimizing for consistency. And one of the reasons why I think the grind can actually negatively affect metabolic flexibility is because of cortisol's effect on insulin. So this goes back to the blood sugar conversation. When you are in a chronic state of fight or flight, cortisol is chronically high. Cortisol is a stress hormone and cortisol is not bad, but we want it to come up and we want it to come down. When cortisol is chronically high, this pulls glucose out of the liver. And the reason for that is because cortisol is signaling to your body that you either need to fight or you need to run, which means that you need to use your muscles. So your, your body's like, oh gosh, we need more blood sugar so that your muscles can have an easy fuel source to be able to power you to either run away or fight your way out of danger. And so cortisol increases blood sugar, which increases insulin. And when this happens on a chronic level, insulin stays high, which means your body isn't able to use fatty acids as efficiently. So this is why you may notice that your energy is tanked, your cravings are high, and it may be harder for you to maintain a certain body composition because you are metabolically inflexible. So again, this is just another reason to focus on building muscle over just working out super hard, because if you are grinding away in your workouts and this can, this is contributing to overall high stress levels it will end up backfiring if not in the immediate future in the long term for sure. Okay, so we want to have metabolic flexibility. Hopefully you all understand why this is important. We want to be able to switch between fuel sources easily and this is related to our how we can regulate glucose, this is related to our insulin sensitivity, this is related to how much muscle mass we have, and this is also related to our um oxidative capacity, our cardiovascular endurance, which I'll talk about here in a moment. So what are the recommendations as far as exercise? Number one, you all know I'm going to say this, but build muscle. If you have to pick one thing, I recommend it being strength training. You can get so many of the same metabolic benefits from strength training that you can get from endurance training or HIIT training because cardio and strength training can't necessarily be completely separated. Your heart and lungs don't know the difference between whether you're running or whether you're lifting weights. Your heart and lungs just know there's an increased demand for blood and oxygen. So I've got to work harder. And what's great is that you can actually kind of combine your strength training sessions to make them more endurance, like zone two type cardio, which I'm going to talk about is great for mitochondrial biogenesis here in a second by doing circuit style training. So this is what we do in the Evlo workout. So basically you're cycling between different muscle groups throughout the entire 30 minute class. So you are working chest and then while chest is resting, maybe we're working back or we're working quads. And then while quads are resting, we're working glutes and we're kind of flopping back and forth between different muscle groups. So you're never resting. So your cardiac output stays relatively elevated throughout the entire 30 minutes. So this is one way that strength training can, yes, although you're focused on muscles and you're focused on getting close to failure, you're also getting cardiovascular benefits as well. So I do recommend adding in additional zone two cardio, which I'll talk about in a second. But if you only have time for one thing, prioritize the strength training workouts. 
Resistance training both at high loads, so um, heavy weights and low loads, will result in mitochondrial biogenesis, which improves metabolic flexibility as long as you're approaching failure, like what I talked about earlier. It's important that if you're going to resistance train, you have to get close to failure. Otherwise, you're probably not going to see the same metabolic benefits. Okay, so that's the first thing that we want to think about when we are trying to improve our metabolic health is building in your strength training. And how we do this in Evlo is we do three, four, or five times per week strength training. And all of three of those tracks, either three, four, or five times per week, have about the same amount of volume. It's just that the three time per week are three full body classes and they're a little bit longer. The four time per week just takes out one, um, one day where you're repeating muscle groups, but for the most part, you're working each muscle group one to two times on non-consecutive days. And then this one, this needs to be kind of the skeleton of your routine and what I recommend. And then in between, you can start to add either zone two cardio or hit. So let's first talk about zone two cardio and how that affects your metabolic health. So zone two cardio is your endurance activity. So this is where your heart rate is elevated, but you could still maintain a conversation or you could still breathe in and out through your nose, but you're definitely challenging your heart rate a little bit, definitely above resting in general. Zone two cardio seems to be great for increasing mitochondrial biogenesis, which again, improves metabolic flexibility. It improves your ability for your cells to switch between using fat or using glucose as fuel. It also is beneficial for your cells to improve their aerobic capacity. This is because aerobic activity can improve mitochondrial volume, which improves metabolic flexibility and your body's ability to switch between using fuel sources. To, so your body's ability to switch between using glucose or using fat as fuel sources. So again, cardio is less about the exercise being fat burning and more about your body's ability to improve its metabolic processes so that when you're at rest, you're able to burn fat easier. Or when you jog up the stairs, you can easily swap between energy sources. And so it's, it's less about burning fat in the moment and more about the overall long-term metabolic effects that you're going to be getting outside of your workout. As far as how much cardio you should do, I recommend 150 minutes per week at about a minimum. And I'm a big believer of getting this in whenever you can. And actually I just listened to a Huberman lab podcast episode about how he's saying the same thing. He's like, you don't have to put them all in one session. If you don't have time to do, you know, three 60 minute jogs or three 60 minute hikes or three 60 minute bike rides or whatever, you can disperse it into your week and just having a, an overall more active lifestyle, walk faster at the grocery store, walk faster in the airport. I'm sure all of us listening would really <laughs> be thankful if everyone just walked a little bit faster in the airport or in the grocery store, slow walkers are a trigger for me, <laughs> but anyways, just lacing it in through your life can be a great way to start to get these zone two metabolic benefits into your routine. Huberman was kind of saying this as well, but he was saying how his guest who was talking about this, Andy Galpin was saying that he doesn't even view zone two cardio as exercise. And I kind of like not viewing my zone two cardio as exercise. I see zone two cardio for me as I go on a walk and I put a podcast in and I zone out for me. It's more like get outside, be in nature, listen to a podcast. And it doesn't really feel like a workout to me. It just feels like, I don't know. It almost feels like a mental health break more than anything. So I think 
for me, a helpful tip is not seeing zone two cardio as exercise, just seeing it as being like an active person. Like it's just a part of your life. It's just a part of, yes, I'm just adapting this healthier lifestyle. Maybe it's you're on the phone a lot for work. So you're pacing up and down the stairs or whatever it might be. I think that incorporating this into your life isn't as hard as we may make it. I also think that something interesting, if you are able to put in some longer endurance session is to play around with making your zone two cardio sessions a little longer and see and kind of test your own endurance and see how you're doing with that. This is something that I kind of plan to do as, um, I've taken hit out of my routine. So I just feel like I have more capacity to do a little bit more activity because I'm feeling really freaking good. So I am, I've been thinking a lot about how I want to extend my walks and do like one or two, like long, like hour walks per week. Number one, it doesn't feel like a burden to me. It just feels like fun. I live in LA and the weather's beautiful. So it's, it's truly just like enjoyable. Um, and then number two, I just feel like I have the time and capacity for, for that right now. But if you don't, if you're just like super busy and you're like, I can't get that in alongside my strength training sessions, just start to weave it into your daily life and just try to get up and get active more often throughout your day. Okay. So that is zone two cardio and how zone two cardio can improve mitochondrial biogenesis and improve metabolic flexibility. And then lastly, we have hit or sit. So high intensity interval training or sit, which is sprint interval training. I think one thing that I don't think is talked about enough is the cost benefit of hit. We are constantly inundated with information. Like everybody should do hit, do hit, do hit. It's great for your health. I am not disagreeing with that, but if I, I think I come from a little bit of a bias right now because I've recently taken hit out of my routine and I'm just feeling so much better. So I think if you're someone where if hit is tanking your recovery or it's kind of tipping your stress bucket and you feel like you're getting negative side effects, like you're it's draining your energy, you're feeling like your cravings are super high, you're having trouble adhering to uh, uh, your nutrition plan because like you're just starving all the time, is hit really productive for you at that point. So that's kind of what I like to question and have you all ask yourself the same thing. If you're like, no, I feel great. Like I am doing hit every week and I'm recovering well from my strength training sessions. My energy is high. Amazing. I want you to keep it. Or maybe it's like you dial it back. You don't have to take it out completely. Maybe you just half the amount of hit you're doing, like just do tiny little sprinkles of it into your routine and see how your body adapts that way. Because I just think that if we're doing so much hit that it's just tanking your recovery and chronic and it's, it's spiraling your chronic stress, it's going to affect your insulin sensitivity, which impairs your body's ability to switch between different fuel sources and may increase your fat storage and increase your cravings and all of those things. Okay. So that aside, let's talk about hit and how it affects your body metabolically. So HIT has been shown to improve insulin sensitivity because it depletes your glycogen stores. And this goes back to when you challenge your muscles at a really high threshold. Like if you're getting close to that muscular failure at the last few reps of your of your lift, or if you're doing jump squats and you're getting to the point where you're really feeling that burn and it's and you're struggling, you are tapping into glycogen stores in the muscle tissue. You're depleting those glycogen stores and then blood sugar has more places to be stored the next time you eat instead of being stored as fat. However, remember that strength training close to failure also does this. So if you aren't tolerating hit, you can still see the benefits from an insulin sensitivity perspective by training close to failure. 
HIT has also been shown to increase mitochondrial function because of mitochondrial biogenesis. So it increases the amount of mitochondria that you have within your cells, which improves your metabolic flexibility. When there's more mitochondria, your body can swap between using blood sugar or using fat as fuel. But again, lifting close to failure and zone two cardio can also improve mitochondrial biogenesis. So again, if you aren't tolerating HIT, you can still do strength training and low intensity cardio and still see great metabolic benefits. Studies have shown that there might be a little bit of a difference in sit specifically and how sit or sprint interval training affects your metabolic health. So sprint interval training is all out max effort or sub sub max effort for six to 30 seconds. So very, very, very short, but highly intense spurts of energy. And then you have like one to five minutes of rest in between intervals. And you can do intervals anywhere from like, you know, three to eight. Sit training has been shown to improve mitochondrial respiration more than other forms of exercise, but it doesn't mean that other forms of exercise still aren't improving your mitochondrial function. Again, I think it's really important to do a cost benefit situation. You're still going to see great improvements from metabolic flexibility and mitochondrial function if you're consistent with strength training, if you're consistent with aerobic exercise. So although sit may improve certain markers, it doesn't mean that more gentle forms of exercise are a waste of time or that they aren't improving your metabolic function. On the other hand, if you don't have time to do lower intensity cardio, sit can be a great way for you to get great metabolic benefits in less time. So if you're like, okay, I really am I'm, I don't have a ton of time right now. What are the things that I need to prioritize? Number one, prioritize your strength training routine, a hypertrophy routine. And then number two, add in maybe a sit session. And this, this session can be like 15 minutes, 10 minutes. You can do a warm up. You can do like, let's say I'm going to keep this really simple for you all. So let's say you do 15 seconds, jump squats on a chair. So you sit on a chair and then you jump off that chair for 15 seconds, as many as you can, as fast and as hard as you can. And then, so you're going to be gassed by that 15 seconds. It doesn't sound like a lot, but you'll be gassed. And then maybe you take a minute or a minute and a half where you just rest. And then you repeat that again, you know, four or five times and then end with a cool down and that you could be in and out in like 10 minutes. And just doing that once a week has been shown to improve your metabolic markers. So if you're like, I don't have time for any, you know, zone two cardio, even though I believe you can lace it into your life. If you're like, eh, I still don't have time. You can add in something like a sit session once a week. I do not recommend going to these long hit classes, like 45 to 60 minute hit classes. So if you're going to add hit, make sure that you're tracking your recovery and that you're sticking to one to two short hit sessions per week. I do not recommend anyone doing these 45 to 60 minute hit hit classes multiple times per week. Okay. So let's summarize. If you want great energy levels, you want to improve your body composition. You want to have a body that doesn't feel broken down. We want to do a variety of exercise. Not only does this help avoid overuse and joint pain, but it also allows for great metabolic flexibility, which correlates to improved energy, improved metabolism and decelerated aging. We aren't seeing exercise as a tool to burn fat but more to support a healthy, robust metabolism. This helps you create the lifestyle changes that will improve body composition because your energy and appetite are more stable. And remember that fat loss is going to come primarily through how you're eating. Resistance training close to failure can improve metabolic flexibility because of the mitochondrial biogenesis that happens with 
um, that increase stimulus to the muscle. Training close to failure also empties glycogen stores in the muscle, meaning glucose from the food that you're eating has more places to go instead of being stored as fat. This improves insulin sensitivity and your body's ability to switch between using fat and sugar as fuel, otherwise known as metabolic flexibility. We want to add in some cardio as you can. Zone two cardio is great to add in. You can play around with lacing it in throughout your life, or maybe even try adding in a couple of longer sessions per week and see how that feels. Zone two cardio is less likely to get in the way of a, a, a hypertrophy routine. So this is something that you could do on your recovery day is do like a longer zone two cardio session. Okay. That is it. That is metabolic flexibility and metabolic health. I hope this was interesting and helpful for you all. Please remember that if you're interested in joining the Apple membership, we would love to have you. Our goal is to take out all the guesswork, provide a really structured hypertrophy plan so that all you have to do is press play on the class. And in every class, not only are we trying to work muscles in a way that's based in the current literature, but we're also improving the function of our nervous system. We are improving our mobility. We're improving our body's ability to switch between your sympathetic fight or flight and your parasympathetic nervous system state. So I really do think that, um, you know, our goal is to be an all encompassing workout plan where you feel like you're slowly seeing results without breaking your body down. So there's a 14 day free trial in the description below. If you'd like to give that a go and thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.